Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. It is Friday, February 16th, five minutes after 11. You are listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So we're going to talk about Fannie Fonnie Willis again. Uh, she took the stand yesterday. She's fighting to stay on the Trump case. She was visibly uneasy. She was lashing out. And, uh, well, she's uh, pretty much giving herself bad public perception. However, she's not going to resume her testimony today what? at the hearing. Yeah. Well, now what are we supposed to talk about? Her dad is taking the stand in her honor. He's going to dispute the allegations that she personally benefited from the uh, so-called improper relationship with one of her lead prosecutors, Nathan Wade. So-called improper? <laughs> okay, so Depends we, on who you ask. Now, we had talked about this at the... You know, kind of opening of the show. Now, there's a whole bunch of things at, at play here about whether whether she behaved inappropriately or not and to mm-hmm. what level and whatever. But let's do kind of a Reader's Digest for the listener who may not be aware. So Fannie Willis is the prosecutor, total leftist, campaigned on the premise of getting Donald Trump. She was going to take him down, blah, blah, blah. Um, she w- w- has been accused of and and it, I think it's been confirmed, had an affair mm-hmm. with a guy who she brought in to prosecute Donald Trump. Correct. Correct? Yep. And so this hearing is about whether or not that was inappropriate. I mean, it seems, I'm no lawyer, but it seems to me, should you be sleeping with someone you bring in to prosecute someone that you campaigned on, I'm going to get him? I'd say probably yes. I mean, there's a million... It's just like these, like, it's like the, it goes back to the Vince McMahon thing. You can sleep with whoever you want, just not the people that work under you, right? <laughs> like Vince McMahon. Just not the people that you're you employ. You're a billionaire. You could buy any woman in the world. You just can't do it with someone who works for you. So she was saying. And he, she didn't seem to understand this either. She was saying that he wasn't an employee, that he was an agent. Which is totally different. Uh. And don't you love the legal ease on this? Mm-hmm. Like, you're a prosecutor. You are a prosecutor. You're supposed to be justice is blind. I follow the evidence where it leads and to where it leads. That is what I will decide on whether I pursue charges against someone or not. And you get somebody that's trying to get cutesy with the letter of the the letter of the law. Like, like, what would the average person think? Mm-hmm. When you're a judge or a prosecutor or in a position of authority, authority, shouldn't the standard be, if I were to stop someone on the street and say, is this inappropriate? I think the average person would say, whether they technically are an employee or an agent or a hired gun or a whatever, mm-hmm. if you're working with them in any capacity to take down the front runner for president of the United States, I think the average person would say, yeah, you shouldn't be sleeping with that I person. just keep thinking of the uh, George Costanza uh, quote, had I known that this was <laughs> frowned upon, had I known. Um, okay, so she's denying that the relationship was improper. And uh, I was speaking with Abdul about this, and he was saying that, She shouldn't be removed for this because while the public perception may be bad, she really didn't do anything wrong. It's not a conflict of interest. And he said, had it been a defense attorney she was with or the judge or the jury, that's one thing. But in this case, it was just an office (laughs) romance. 
What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Look, I love Abdul, but he is just <laughs> way off base on this because this is not, hey, I'm prosecuting a shoplifter. Mm -hmm. You, This woman campaigned on getting Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't like I'm gonna look at the evidence and see what happened. Uh, we'll take if I'm lucky enough to win the election. Certainly, we'll take a look at it and see if any imp improprieties took place. She made this a focal point of what she was going to do. It wasn't justice is blind. This is I'm gonna go get this guy and I'm gonna make whatever case to get the desired outcome that I want. And there's it's way bigger than just whether she had sex with this guy or not. There's all sorts of what appear to be financial improprieties that took place as well. Okay, so the misconduct allegations against her, they center around who paid for trips she took with Nathan Wade, the lead prosecutor, and could these trips lead to her removal from the case? So, we've got some fun audio. Oh, this great. is the salacious How part exciting. of the segment. And here she is talking about one of the trips with Nathan Wade, and apparently she doesn't like wine. Much less cash that time, probably four or $500, and then I paid for uh, a bunch of stuff. I think we did two different wine tours that you do, which are pretty expensive. Um, I think I bought him. He likes wine. I don't really like wine, to be honest with you. I like Grey Goose. Um, I bought him a <laughs> bottle of wine while we were there and the sippings that you do. Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember how many, like four or five different places you go. Tasting. I remember we went to um, to this place that they do pairings. Um, mm -hmm. That was the most expensive thing that I think that we did while we were there. So they would pair... Uh, mm -hmm. They, they would pair uh, champagne, yeah. chocolate, mm. and Strawberries. champagne, chocolate, and caviar. Oh. It was a three, and it was like three different things. Sweden, Russia, like someplace else. I'll make no. that up. But um, mm -hmm. that that was the most expensive thing we did that trip, and I paid for I paid for that. You pay cash for us doing that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she pays cash for everything. She told you that. At one point, she called that attorney, lady. I don't know, lady. She said she paid between four and five hundred dollars in cash for that California trip. The tasting alone could be that much. You know, I don't know where they went. And so much <laughs> of this in the public eye, and you see this with high-profile trials and mm -hmm. people who are either witnesses or the defendants or whatever when they take the stand, is the likability of the person. Mm -hmm. And my goodness, does she just come off? as just the most unlikable sea hag in the whole world. Do you think that she comes off as a jilted lover, someone who's a little bitter about the former relationship? Because here she is uh, not being very nice to her ex-lover. <laughs> Mr. Wade is used to women that, uh, as he told me one time, the only thing a woman can do for him is make him a sandwich. <laughs> we would have brutal arguments about the fact that I am your equal. I don't need anything from a man. A man is not a plan. A man is a companion. And so there was tension always in our relationship, mm -hmm. which is why I was give him his money back. I don't need anybody to foot my bills. The only man who's ever foot my bills completely is my daddy. Uh, there were there was tension in the relationship. I wonder if it's because he was married. <laughs> well, it just, it just, don't sleep with people <laughs> that you are in some way a superior of and whether she wants to get cutesy with the letter of the law or not mm -hmm. she clearly had sway and influence over him look it's one thing if everybody is on the same playing field and the same level i've said this many times i met my wife 
here. Mm-hmm. But we didn't, you know, I was not her boss. We, we, one person was not in charge of another. She worked in a totally different part of the building than I did. I mean, it's not, I'm not indicting people who marry or meet or love their coworkers. That happens all the time. Uh, Jim and Pam on the office are some of my favorite characters ever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you don't do it with somebody who you, who you are subservient to or can lord over in your work position. Okay, so this is one of my favorite parts of the entire hearing. And this is when they're asking Nathan Wade if he had ever been to a cabin with Fanny Wills. And he takes a very long time. <laughs> He's contemplating it. He's thinking about it. I mean, it's like a 15, 20 second. Let me think about this. Here it is. Did you go to a cabin with Miss Willis ever? Ever. Ever. (laughs) He's thinking about it. (laughs) Still thinking. No. <laughs> no. Um, he wanted to be really clear on that answer. What took so long? <laughs> he, he was thinking about it. He wanted to make sure that he was telling the truth. And speaking of the truth, here he is admitting to having sexual relations with Fannie Willis while trying Trump in court. Yes or no? <clears throat> Let's just get down to it. <laughs> did you or did you not, by May the 30th, <clears throat> 2023, have had sexual relations with Miss Willis, yes or no? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. There we go. And finally, in the end, the truth comes out. All right, Casey, let's take a break. When mm-hmm. we come back, we talked about this earlier in the show. Obviously, there was that huge ruling from the uh, state Supreme Court yesterday and the, the John Rust case to try to run for, for U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. And nobody still, I mean, we just talked with Abdul when he was in here. There's a lot of people in the political and legal community have no idea why the Supreme Court ruled the way they did, where they didn't actually rule. They just stayed a ruling that they had previously declined to stay. So uh, the newsflash, I'm not a lawyer, you're not a lawyer, but we do know one of the best in the business, and his name is Mark Rutherford, and he will be with us when we come back to try to make some sense of what happened at the Supreme Court yesterday. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Here comes a banker, here comes a businessman. Here comes a kid with a guitar in his hand. Dreaming so it's a big day for law in Indiana yesterday. The Supreme Court ruled in the John Rust case. And I got to be honest, Casey, I got no idea what they said. Yeah, and I got to be honest, I don't understand it. <laughs> 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey show. So luckily, we've got an expert. Yes. We've got a legal expert. He's one of the best in the business. Longtime Central Indiana attorney Mark Rutherford joins us now on the WIBC hotline. All right, so help me understand this, Mark. The Supreme Court undid the stay that they previously upheld in the Rust case, but they didn't rule in the case. Am I at all making sense on this? Yeah, you are You are making sense. But it tells me that 
the Supreme Court thinks that the decision of the trial court is not correct or needs to be changed or and or they may even send it back. But they uh, decided that the stay on the rule of, of, about uh, getting uh, basically permission and signature from your county chair before you can run for office in a state race, uh, uh, it, 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 there's something fine about it is what they're saying, or at least it's. Uh, they're not giving a policy that it's a good idea, but they're saying that probably it's not unconstitutional under the Indiana Constitution. Okay, so here's what's confusing a lot of people, because trying to read the tea leaves, they refused to stay the judge's ruling initially, and people said, okay, well, they must have looked at this and seen a lot of merit to what he did, mm-hmm. but but is is that normal for a, like a Supreme Court to stay a ruling they previously refused to stay? It is something they may want to do until they're more sure that it is a ruling that they don't think was correct under the law. Um, So, no, that wouldn't be unusual at all. It doesn't happen very often, but it is something that might happen. And this is a case where, uh, because it involved an elective primary that's coming up, uh, candidates getting certified to be on the ballot, that they acted way quicker than your normal case and taking a case and, 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 and dealing with it. Mark Rutherford's our guest, great central Indiana attorney. We're talking about the ruling yesterday in the John Rust case. So um, you have you are you argued in front of the Supreme Court before the state Supreme Court, right? Yes, I have. What sort of line of questioning? Because we were trying to read through their line of questioning with the 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 state attorney and then obviously Russ's attorney, and you couldn't read the tea leaves because they were kind of grilling both sides. Did you get a feeling when you were in there, hey, I know how this is going, or or were, did you leave that day going, I got no idea? Um, I left actually having no idea because <laughs> you get a lot of uh, good questions, uh, and they're trying to figure out what they should or shouldn't do, and uh, by the time you get before the Supreme Court, usually you have a lot of briefs uh, in, in it. Although this one was done way, way quicker, um, and uh, uh, so the, they're asking questions to try to, you know, decide what it is that they think they should do. So some of the questions you go, "Oh my gosh, I didn't," you know, the, the, they don't like the, the my, my position. Other case uh, questions you go, "Oh, okay, well." Maybe they are headed towards the way that I'm asking the Supreme Court to rule. It was a 36-page ruling, and obviously, you know, I talked with multiple legal people, and you know, Abdul being one of them, and he said, "Look, it was a really good ruling by this judge. He found seemed like four or five areas where the law really wasn't in compliance with the the state constitution." Are you surprised? I mean, they haven't overruled him yet, but as you said to start the interview, they kind of have overruled him. Are you surprised, given the complexity of the judge's ruling, that? It would seem like if even one of his things stood that Rust would have been on the ballot, that seemingly they've said, hey, you messed up on all of these, Judge. Well, I was a little surprised because even if they weren't certain whether they would uphold the ruling in the long term, um, it's not unusual for the Supreme Court or other courts either to not hurry a ruling. uh, So we might change it, but for this election, everything will be will be fine. Um, but this suggests to me that the judges do, are, are they're going to find some fault uh, uh, with the uh, trial court judge's ruling and, and say, no, this isn't correct. Uh, that, that's the only reason I could think they did this and um, uh, that, that it's going to be at least a three to two decision against the trial court's ruling in some way that affects uh, uh, that, that basically says, hey, the law's okay. 
Is part of the deal who your client is? I mean, I know justice is supposed to be blind, but let's face it, Rust was not like a poster child. He was wealthy enough to bring this case, which was important, but he wasn't a poster child for, man, this guy's a real victim here. I mean, he's a super wealthy guy. He hadn't voted in a primary since 2016. It's not like uh, it was, hey, he voted last year and he just, you know, he just ran out of opportunities. It doesn't matter to the judges who the client is. Do they look at those sort of things? Well, they're not supposed to. They're supposed to make a decision on what the law is, regardless of whether they think they like your client or not. And I think they they, they, they they try really, really hard to do that. I, I don't think that often factors in into their decisions unless something about the client is something that pertains to the law itself. And uh, then they have to make a decision on, on whether there's something about your client that that, that means that they've got a rule against it. Uh, no, so I think they're looking for what the law is and trying to be as impartial as they can. Because I wonder, because one of the judges, I can't remember if it was Massa or one of them said to Harder, Russ's attorney, hey, why couldn't your client have just voted in another Republican primary? He had eight years. If he'd have voted in one more primary in eight years, this wouldn't have, have mattered. So I just wonder, do they factor that in and go, well, hey, this wasn't like a guy who just claims he came to the party in 2022. He's had all this time to be able to, to do this. So I didn't know if they said, well, your guy had a chance and he screwed himself. Right. Well, they look at the law and the law's effect and uh, whether or not it it, it, it I mean, it, it could be unconstitutional because there's no way you can get around it. There's no way you can comply with it uh, in, in the situation. That's something unfair for somebody to eventually change their mind. Hey, I want to stop voting Democrat in the primaries, and I want to start voting Republican in the primaries. Or, or, or if you don't aren't either, that you're not voting in the primaries. So um, those type of questions you do get, and it's more based upon. The uh, uh, what's the long-term effect of, of the, the statute, and and uh, can it be changed easily? It can it can weigh in their decisions on on whether it's unconstitutional or not. Mark Rutherford, uh, you are one of the best in the business. Um, real quick, uh, you think anything's going to come of this, or do you think, hey, this is it? You're done, Russ. Sorry. Well, I mean, he, if there's a challenge, uh, he's going to be removed from the the, the ballot. Is, is my guess. Um, from by the Indiana Election Commission based on this t- removing of the stay. And um, so, uh, you know, I'm afraid that's what's going to happen with him and any other person who got on the ballot without getting the permission of their local county chair. All right. um, so uh, it, it is what it is. And But will they then change their mind again? Well, you don't know. You don't know until they actually have the final ruling on this. But at least for right now, I think um, he's uh, he's not going to be on the ballot if there's a challenge. I haven't heard if there is one yet. All right. It'll, only a couple more days to do it. Mark Rutherford, you're the best. Thank you, my friend. All right. Thank you. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It is 
42, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So O.J. Simpson has been diagnosed with prostate cancer. He's undergoing chemotherapy in Las Vegas. He was asked about hospice, and he said, no, no, he's not in hospice. He went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, he was hosting friends in Vegas for the Super Bowl. So, okay, denying that. So the reason Casey led with this update on O.J. Simpson is I did something last night, and Hammer is joining us once again because I know you... You, I was gonna say you love you don't love OJ Simpson, but no, you I love, hope he dies of cancer. You love to, you <laughs> love to him. you love to laugh at and make Hoping fun the of OJ Simpson. Hoping the chemo doesn't take. Yeah. Correct. Um, but I was so I thought Hammer would be the perfect person to bring bring in on this. So I was I got down a rabbit hole. You ever do this on YouTube where you just start watching things? And oh, I yeah. got down an OJ Simpson rabbit hole yesterday, which is a dangerous rabbit well, hole. Well, my, my life is definitely worse off because of it. But do you guys remember in the mid two thousands? He wrote a book. Or got a book deal to write a book called "If I Did It," yes, where he explores, air quotes here, theoretically how he would have done right. the murder in great intricate mm-hmm. detail. If he were going to kill Ron and Nicole, mm-hmm. this is why and this is how. Right. And so he did a corresponding interview with, I believe it was the publisher of the book, and it never aired, and the book was never released because there was such outcry from the the Goldmans and, and his ex-wife's family. and Advertisers were threatening to pull out of yeah. this interview. It's amazing they ever thought that that was going to fly on any right. world, but obviously that was the mid-2000s, so I don't know. what the, I think this was 2018, 2019, something like that. This interview finally airs on, I think it was maybe Fox is where it fi- they finally ran the, the interview, and they were very clear in the disclaimer, O.J. Simpson in no way profited from the airing of this show. And it, it, um, it's this interview with O.J. Simpson, and they've got, like, Christopher Darden there doing analysis on it, an FBI profiler guy doing an analysis on it. But I'm watching this interview, and every time I see O.J., I do this, where you just get lost in his smile and his charm, and you find yourself actually liking the guy, and you have to stop yourself and go, wait a second. Wait, This nope. guy is a just a horrible human being who murdered these two people, and I must continue to hate him with every fiber of my being, but to steal a line from your show, am I a horrible person for allowing that to happen to myself? <laughs> well, the answer is yes, but you know what? I'm a horrible person, too, because you, I think you, maybe it was you, Casey, that got me onto that Netflix series, about the kid that won a jet from Pepsi. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And Michael Avenatti is in that. Yes, and, and is, you like him in that. He comes off likable yes. in that. And you have to keep reminding yourself, this guy is a scumbag, yeah. a total scumbag, yeah. and he deserves to be in prison. But he's likable. He's almost the hero in that uh, documentary about the kid that wanted to get the Harrier jet from Pepsi. And yep. just the way, like, you know, they go back at all sorts of parts of his life, and the way he's trying to explain away how he you know, it's obvious he beat her and abused her, but the way he describes turning her into the perpetrator and the way he just, you know, he'll smile throughout it. And it's like, you almost believe him. You do. And then you have to catch yourself and go, no, this guy totally did all this stuff. There's countless witnesses of that this happened. And yet the guy will just, I mean, it's obvious. It's so obvious how he was this great salesperson and spokesman and everything else because the guy has so much damn charisma. So, Casey, I texted Rob back last night, and I said, this is what it's like to be a chick. Because what chicks do, they find the most horrible, rotten man possible. Dude without a job, dude that may beat her, dude that will cheat mm-hmm. on her all the time, mm-hmm. and find the good in him. Yep. And they'll keep going back well, to him. they think they can save him or change him. 
Right. So what Rob and I were doing with OJ and Avenatti, this is what chicks do, is that, right? Is that what you were doing? I get that same feeling, Rob, when I look at streakers, like the streakers at the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. You know they're doing something bad. Yeah. They shouldn't be doing it. They're breaking the rules, but there's a part of me that just wants them to get away with it just a little bit longer. Yeah. So since we've brought up O.J. Simpson, how about we do great moments in O.J. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) One of the things we like to do in our program is uh, read responses to O.J.'s Twitter account. Recently, The Juice put out a very emotional, heartfelt farewell to Carl Weathers, another former NFL player turned actor. A lot of people didn't note that. He was on the Raiders. He was good. Yeah? Yeah. So O.J. puts out an emotional farewell video to Carl Weathers. And to read the responses, we outsourced <laughs> Sasha Nixon from the WIBC newsroom. At Tenacious G44, yo, what's up, Juice? Can you prove you weren't anywhere near Carl Weathers the day he died? At Johnny Walker AZ, now do Ron and Nicole. At Cycle of Sins, hey, OJ, if Apollo's gloves don't fit, you must quit. Am I right? At Tim Wells Live, Appreciate your words of wisdom, Mr. Juice. Always slice in a piece of knowledge from the neck of life. At Country Stank, great insight, Juice. Heartfelt and emotional. It's a shame so many people hassle you because you cut the head off of your ex-wife. At The Flesh Gordon, Carl Weathers was a part of my childhood growing up. So sad to see him go. Then again, it was also pretty sad when you murdered Ron and Nicole. Sasha Nixon from the WIBC That is oh. one of my favorite segments that you guys do. Mm-hmm. I think when she read the guy's name that had the word stank in the handle, that was my favorite. Flesh was pretty good, too. Flesh Gordon. Yeah. And she's such a rock star for being a good sport about that. She's the perfect. Straight delivery. You know, you guys have been the masters of that. That bit used to do with Stan Lear was great, too. We played back yesterday the classic Stan Lear soundboard prank call to <laughs> Nigel's mom. That's one of the best. Uh, since we're doing great moments in OJ history here, nobody ripped on OJ more than the late, great Norm MacDonald. Mm-hmm. I loved Norm MacDonald. It ultimately was why he got fired from yeah. Saturday Night Live. Uh, <laughs> one of the brasses at NBC was buddies with OJ <laughs> and hated Norm MacDonald crapping on the juice all the time. So we put together a little montage of the best of Norm MacDonald crapping on O.J. In his book, O.J. Simpson says that he would have taken a bullet or stood in front of a train for Nicole. Man, I'm going to tell you, that is some bad luck when the one guy who would have died for you kills you. (laughs) Well, O.J. Simpson's lawyers stopped feuding this week, finally. The dream team, F. Lee Bailey and Robert Shapiro, were able to put aside their differences and express their admiration for each other after O.J. threatened to cut their heads off. (laughs) It was revealed this week that defense lawyer Johnny Cochran once abused his first wife. In his defense, Cochran said, Hey, at least I didn't kill her like some people I know. (laughs) Testimony during the final week provided some spellbinding moments. In a brilliant move during closing arguments, Simpson attorney Johnny Cochran put on the knit cap prosecutors say O.J. wore the night he committed the murders. Although O.J. may have heard his case when he suddenly blurted out, hey, hey, easy with that. That's my lucky stabbing hat. <laughs> That's so good. My lucky stabbing, stabbing hat. hat. You know, yes. I, was, I was watching that, that 
the thing last night, and I was thinking, you know, is that? I mean, look, obviously, like a, a world war is clearly or assassination of a president, but that's got to be one of the five or ten most mm -hmm. significant events of the 20th century. Was that Bronco chase and that that trial? And had the Pacers won Game 7 against the Orlando Magic, right. they would have been playing in the game that night because it was the NBA Finals, the Rockets, and the Magic. Should have been the Pacers. I think the Pacers had a chance to win that series. They didn't. But all of a sudden, Bob Costas, who was hosting the basketball game, goes full news broadcaster, and mm -hmm. now it's on. It's the full coverage of the chase. Isn't that amazing how it's one of those things where, and obviously uh, even Casey is not old enough to remember this, where they were when Kennedy was assassinated. <laughs> I mean, for the people who are, that they'll tell you, I was at such and such a place. Or like when Elvis died. Everybody remembers when that came on the on the radio. Like everybody, I was, I was, what would I have been? I've been in nine, nine years old, nine years old, 10 years old. I've been 10 years old. I remember vividly that whole night. Like I remember that whole, where it, when it started, where it was, when it ended. I mean, yep. that's crazy that mm -hmm. that thing has that had that big an impact on society. And I remember being in class when the verdict came in. Yeah. And this is back when they would wheel in the TV, yes. right? So this was 1994. What Five, is it? Nine, Five? Yeah, 95. Yeah, so I was a uh, junior in high school, and they wheeled in the TV. Here's the verdict, and everybody kind of looked at each other like, what the hell? Yeah, that's crazy. I was on the air, guys. <laughs> <laughs> in Lansing, Michigan. I was broadcasting it. Pass me uh, those Werther's Originals there. <laughs> uh -huh. Susan Beckwith's going to join us next. She's got a well some sports etiquette for us yes. in light of that whole Travis Kelsey bumping his coach fiasco. Yep, she's on the way from 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Susan, looks like I'm losing. I'm losing my mind. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob, Casey's here at Casey. It is time, as we do every single week, to wrap up the work week. Sending our audience into the weekend with the ability to be better members of society. Yeah, and we got a guy. Actually, in this case, we got a gal. That's right, yes, our, our own, our very own, our show. This is why our show is the best. We have our own former Miss Indiana. Mm -hmm. Her name is Susan Beckwith. The segment is Mind Your Manners. And this week, oh, this is so timely, Casey. Yeah. Remember in the Super Bowl when Travis Kelsey behaved like a raging lunatic <laughs> with yeah. his coach? Yeah. And we talked about this, in fact, yesterday, about how inappropriate that was, about what a terrible example it was. Mm -hmm. You might even call it bad sportsmanship. Yeah. Well, this week, Susan Beckwith, our own former Miss Indiana, is with us to Mind Your Manners on Sportsmanship. Susan, hello. Hello, hello. Happy Friday. You know, that's exactly why I felt like this would be timely, because I continue to see that same clip on social media, on the Internet, keep uh, keep playing out. I don't know if you uh, discussed that his brother called him out. Oh, yeah. On, on the podcast. podcast. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I was I was proud of him for that. And they'll say, hey, that was so inappropriate because initially Travis had indicated that like bumping Andy Reid was crossing the line. And then Jason said no, and getting in his face was also, yeah. you know, inappropriate. So I was proud of him as the big brother to say, 
Well, and so here's where I'm at, and I feel bad about myself now, Casey, because when I was a kid, I loved Dennis Rodman, and mm-hmm. I had the Rodman shoes that yeah. tied up from the side, <laughs> and I had the book, and I thought it was cool because I was like, man, he had better to ref. That's yeah. freaking awesome. He's a bad guy. And now I realize what terrible parenting my parents did by letting me have that book <laughs> and those shoes because they were confirming awful behavior, Susan. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important. We, uh, our little guy is a soccer player, so soccer season starts for us in March. And so I feel like this is timely. Uh, also, baseball season's getting ready to start. So I think it's a good reminder. Um, I thought I would share just a few things that we're trying to really instill in Brody as a player, but then also as a parent when it comes to sportsmanship. All right, mm-hmm. let's do it. What's number one? Okay, so he is very competitive, which I love because I'm wired that way. I'm not a confrontational person, but I'm competitive and love to win. So something that we're really working with him on is if you lose, um, don't make any excuses. But if you win, don't rub it in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you can't celebrate. It's somebody else's funeral, right? That's the way we right, are with our right. ratings. You want to way- win with dignity mm-hmm. and lose with grace. That's yeah. the way we are with our ratings, Case, uh, Casey. <laughs> except, yeah. Except when we don't do well, I blame everyone but myself. Right. Take accountability. <laughs> now, do they still, at the end of the youth soccer games, do they still make everybody go through the line and smack hands and say good game? Yes. Which I think is great. You know, I think that that also contributes to not really viewing your opponent as your enemy. You know, you want to both do well and, you know, there's going to be a winner and a loser and learning how to lose graciously is good. And I feel like that's a life lesson that we can continue to take on. Wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait. You're not supposed to view your competition as your enemy. I hate those guys on the fan. They're trying to take money out of my pocket. I think that comes later (laughs) as you age. But when you're talking about youth sports, it's more about character building and life skills. Sure. Uh Yes. All right. What's next? So practicing self-control is another really good one, having a positive attitude, and then one that we've already touched on when referencing the situation with Travis Kelsey as far as being respectful to your teammates, to the refs, to your coach. Respectful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Coworkers. So in other words, don't get up in their face <laughs> and push them around. <laughs> Be nice. You know, I'm curious. So you've got two kids. And obviously, how old is Brody? What is he? Is he seven? He just turned seven. Now, I'm curious. Do you have a con? Because he's a soccer player. He's not a football player. But, like, did he see that in the Super Bowl? Do you have a con? How do you have a conversation with the young kids about something like what Travis Kelsey did? And how do you explain to them, that's a horrible idea. You should never do that. Well, I think it actually is a great opportunity to say, hey, this was inappropriate. And... He's passionate, and we see that, and that's not a bad thing, but learning to control that and recognizing that, you know, that's his coach, that you should be always speaking to him in a respectful way and not losing total control. I don't think he saw that. I think he was pretty stacked out. We actually um, were still skiing at that point, and he absolutely loved it. And by the end of the day, he was wiped out. So, But I will tell you a funny story. When we came into the room to watch the Super Bowl, it was still on Nickelodeon. And so the whole thing, we were like, what is wrong with this broadcast? Because it had all of these weird characters popping in, like Mm -hmm. these Nickelodeon characters, like slime. And anyways, it was like, until we realized like, oh, we are not on. (laughs) The standard broadcast. You're, You're getting the commentary from Patrick Starr and SpongeBob. Exactly. It was so funny. Hey, what's this story about you having poor sportsmanship with a cowbell one time? OK, 
Okay, I, I wouldn't say I abhor sportsmanship. I, I really try to always keep it very positive. But I am, I tell myself I'm going to be quiet every game, and it just never happens. No way. I just get so, no way so, you've so, ever been quiet at <laughs> <in> anything. <laughs> so uh, at the last game of the season, Brody was six at the time, Micah looks over, and he was so mortified. He was like, why do you have a cowbell? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I felt like it was very appropriate, mm-hmm. and it brings the energy up. So I, I know he did not appreciate, um, you know, me including that in the in the day. <laughs> what you were ringing it at the game, like you were waving a cowbell at a youth soccer game. Absolutely, I tell you, I really feel like it made a difference. <laughs> <laughs> yes. By the way, I do find it hilarious of all the crap that Mike has pulled over the years that he's mortified about anything that you've done. Exactly. Well, I have to just say, it wasn't a huge cowbell. It was a small one that I got for free oh, sure. at the sure. parade. It was just a small cowbell. Casey, you definitely <laughs> took a cowbell to one of your kids' games, didn't you? You know what? It's interesting, Susan, that you bring up this topic because, and just a little insight into me, you know, I've been involved since in sports since 1976. That's right. Love it. Yeah. You uh, started when you were 30. That's amazing. That's, that's right, Rob. So <laughs> I, I was involved with uh, as a player in youth sports all the way to the collegiate level, obviously a parent as well, um, youth sports high school sports. I've been a licensed referee and administrator. So I've been involved in sports um, in many different avenues. And there's one thing besides etiquette that I can contribute to this conversation. And that is I have found over the years when it comes to sports, especially youth sports, there are four positions and four positions only. It doesn't matter if you're on the field, you're on the pitch, you're on the court, wherever the game is being played, the four positions are and you are only allowed to pick one and stick with it. They are player, official, coach, and spectator. And when you walk onto the field or go to the arena, you pick your position, and that's the only one you're allowed to do during the game. I love that. Actually, and I know we're probably uh, getting tied on time, but that was one of the ones under, like, for parents, just to remember not to coach. And that is hard because Mm -hmm. you, you know, you want to see them do well and give it their best. And, but you have to remember that, yes, you can cheer, but leave the coaching to their coach. And uh, so, yeah. (laughs) Tell us about your website, Susan Bell of the Midwest and the Facebook page. Okay, so what can you find on my website? Well, actually, there are past Mind Your Manner segments, so if you've missed some of those or if you had one that you really liked would love to share it, um, those segments can be found. Also, I have a blog that covers social etiquette topics. I looked. I was just curious to see which are my top-performing blog posts. The gym etiquette one was very popular, ah. wedding guest etiquette, um, actually lipstick etiquette, so all the gals, I guess, uh, wanted to, to read that one and find out some of also my favorite lipstick, lipstick etiquette. So, yeah, so send me your etiquette questions. And if you uh, don't already, I would love for you to follow on Facebook as well as Instagram. Uh, Bell of the Midwest, B-E-L-L-E of the Midwest.com. Also the Facebook page. Susan Beckwith, thank you. Yes, have a wonderful weekend. Yeah, you too. And that's going to do it for us as we wrap things up on this Friday. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Jason. And thank you for listening today. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Have a great weekend.